News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. The fruit and vegetables are, uh, are, are slim. Produce, really minimal. Dairy's really minimal. I went in for a few things and realized there wasn't much of anything. All right, those are just some of the people who tried to go grocery shopping in parts of the interior of our province. Uh, we know that Metro Vancouver remains kind of cut off at this point, but that also means that, you know, these are challenges for the trucking industry to overcome to try to get those supply routes open. Later this morning, we'll be talking to Rob Fleming, the Transportation Minister, about that, about getting these supplies up and running. But, you know, given the situation right now, it didn't take long for consumers in the Okanagan anyway to become concerned about that supply chain. So let's find out what it was like. So joining us now is Travis Lowe, Global Kelowna reporter who was out there on the scene yesterday checking things out. Travis, thanks for being here. Uh, Good morning, Simi. Thank you for having me. So what did you see in some of the grocery stores you were at yesterday? Well, it was vaguely uh, reminiscent of uh, the early stages of the pandemic. I spent the day yesterday at five different grocery stores in Kelowna, one sort of small mom-and-pop operation, a high-end produce store, and then three national chain grocers. And the people I spoke to there as they were coming out of the stores and and, uh, with their carts said they were guardedly optimistic, I would say, about the situation, but they were still stocking up nonetheless but not the type of panic buying that we saw during the early stages of the pandemic where people were filling up entire shopping carts with meat, but just enough groceries to last them out through what we don't know is an amount of time until trucks can get in and restock shelves. But I think people have had enough experience now with supply chain problems for the last year and a half or so to know that the supply chain is resilient Mm-hmm. And they realized that there are other routes open for trucks to get in and restock those shelves. And what did you hear from the grocery stores themselves or the employees? I mean, do do they feel confident they'll be able to restock those shelves? Well, I was there early in the morning and no one from any of the grocery stores wanted to see me, nor did they uh, want to speak to me. Because I don't think at that time they knew how the next uh, shipment was going to get in. However, I did manage to speak to one person off the record at a great Canadian superstore, and he said that they were trying to switch their distribution center from Vancouver to Edmonton, but he wasn't sure if Edmonton was going to be able to handle eight stores in the Okanagan. Right, because that's a big switch, right? So we've been told mm-hmm. that, you know, supplies will be coming, they'll be able to restock, it just might take mm-hmm. a little bit longer. So you feel then, Travis, that people are pretty philosophical about that right now? Uh, they are when you speak to them, uh, but I still think that uh, the basic human nature of self-preservation kicks in and everyone heads to the grocery store and lines up to get whatever is left. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, they can get through soon. Um, you know, I've learned uh, uh, to have my, you know, pantry full for about yes. a month after the beginning of the, the pandemic. I realized that, you know, you realize very quickly how fragile the the supply chain is, and when transportation uh, link breaks, uh, you know everything sort of breaks down temporarily, and right. so we can only wait for for trucks here to get through, and hopefully they'll come from Alberta. Uh, and uh, you know there's a bit of a detour right now from um, Banff to Radium because the Kicking Horse Pass project is is ongoing and closed until December first, but there's still other means to get food in here and. 
and hopefully people uh, don't continue to panic. Yes, hopefully. All right, Travis, thank you so much for that update. You're welcome. Thank you. Simi. Appreciate that time. That is Travis Lowe, Global Kelowna reporter, visiting a lot of grocery stores, seeing a lot of people, you know, stocking up, not hugely panic buying from what he saw. This is in the Okanagan. And I know there have been concerns about hope in other communities. There will be resupplies. I mean, that is something the government has said that officials have said. We'll hear more about that from the Trucking Association this morning later on the show, as well as Rob Fleming, the Transportation Minister, about when people can expect those supplies to come. This is Mornings with Simi. There are so many things to be concerned about right now, particularly in Abbotsford, but this flooding has caused uh, problems for all of our highways with the landslides and the flooding, and essentially a lot of very essential routes are cut off. So how is the trucking industry dealing with this? How are they adjusting to get around these highway closures, or are they? We're going to be talking with Transportation Minister Rob Fleming about that coming up a little later. But right now, let's talk to Dave Earl, who's the president and CEO of the BC Trucking Association. Dave, thank you so much for making time for us. Uh, Thanks for having me. So what is going on then with the Trucking Association? Is it just, do you have to wait until everything opens? Uh, Well, no. Uh, For some carriers and some drivers that are stuck where they don't want to be, they're going to have to wait. But uh, there is movement happening, and we've been working diligently, uh, literally right from the moment this started, to to come up with alternate routes. Uh, We have carriers that are moving across uh, the United States and basically using uh, different routes to to move east and west. Uh, We've got meetings set up, as you can appreciate, Oh, into the late evening last night and then all day today uh, to get different protocols set up for alternate routes. Uh, we're working very closely with the ministry in terms of a plan for when we do see some movement going, what goes first. Um, yeah, there's a lot of work going on. And, and I guess the real message is, Simi, is uh, the stuff's going to get there. It just might be a little late. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. There's a lot of concern about supply chains. We talk, we heard about people, you know, buying stuff all, emptying out grocery store shelves. How are those supply chains holding? Yeah, I mean, right now there's a lot of delay and a lot of disruption. And, you know, we see this from time to time for a day or two during winter or snow events. I mean, we've seen the the passes all closed from time to time, but it hasn't been for, you know, three or four days in a row. Um, but I think that, like, again, those, those big messages is there, there are some communities that are cut off, that are, that are inaccessible. But for many communities in the interior, it's just rerouting. Uh, it's longer, it's going to take more time, it's going to take more money, but it's it's rerouting. It's bringing things in from Alberta, it's moving across the uh, Washington state, um, but it's going to move. It's just going to take a bit of time. Does that show, Dave, that the system is resilient? Yeah, it re- it's remarkable. You know, when we really look at it and the creativity and the dedication of the people that work in logistics planning and work in trucking, um, everybody from the driver to the dispatcher to the people in the warehouses and distribution points, um, that resiliency is remarkable. It, it's what they do. Um, you know, usually it's to find the most efficient and expedient way. Um, now it's to find a way, uh, but it's the same skill set. And it, it's really remarkable to work with these people. Boy, the last couple of years then must be incredibly challenging. We've already got supply chain issues. This just adds to it. Yeah, I could do without this. I think everybody could have, you know, said like, you know, it's it's just unbelievable. Uh, the scope and the magnitude and what's happening. And uh, the one thing that, that, that is really heartening, though, is unfortunately, um, we're getting pretty good at this, you know, at, at being really adaptable. Um, and really, I guess, uh, for your listeners, it's just to recognize that, 
there's an awful lot of people who are displaced and who are evacuated. And I mean, they're the ones that are going to really need some help and access to, to goods and services. So as we're moving about our days, it's just to be thoughtful and be thinking, you know, this, this isn't that it's never going to come. It's going to be a little delayed is all. all right, that is very good advice. Uh, Dave, are there protocols that are already in place for this? Or is this something that, you know, you've had to learn as you go along? And will this mean that there are protocols in place for the future? Oh, there, there's protocols in place for just about everything. I mean, when we talk about moving across uh, Washington State, there are protocols for what are called in-transit moves. So um, it, it's a whole different set of criteria for uh, that opens up for those types of moves across the border. Um, there's alternates in terms of secondary routes. Um, you know, we've got them throughout the province. The, the real challenge here is so much infrastructure has been taken out all at once. And so it's a, it's a matter of taking all those things that we know and all those protocols that are in place and just finding a way to adapt them and change them uh, to meet the, uh, the challenge that we have in front of us. Yeah, how quickly are you able to do that then? How quickly are you able to say, okay, this route's closed, we're going this way? Uh, as soon as the phone call comes in or the notification uh, comes in and says that route's closed, literally it's real time. Um, there are, you know, commercial vehicles. We expect that there will be several hundred that are, are where they're not supposed to be. And I keep using that phrase because some of them are stranded, but many of them are just, oh, okay, I had to turn around or come here or not go there um, at the time because we're, we're able to move and change very quickly. But this situation was so big and so fast that uh, we just couldn't get everybody uh, where we needed them to be. So that's going to be part of the challenge, uh, you know, as we... Uh, we get to serve these communities that are that are cut off is to get those assets out, uh, deploy them, and get them uh, running where we need them to be. And will there also be a bit of a backlog? Do you think here, you know, at the port of Vancouver, because shipping containers perhaps aren't moving out as they normally would be? Yeah, that's a concern. Um, you know, and we're looking at that as well. Um, we have we've had many uh, conversations with with different uh, modes of transportation, and you know, checking in uh, with rail and and and. Uh, and other elements of the uh, the transportation network to be able to to determine what does this look like, you know, through you know one day, three days, next week, week after, you know, what are, what are we looking at, and how are we going to ensure that everything starts to move? Um, again, it's just remarkable the resiliency. It's uh, as soon as it happens, we're looking for alternatives, and uh, we'll find a way. Okay, so then once again here, Dave, what is your message to people who are worried? I get a lot of emails about this, right? People are concerned. What is your message to people worried about supply chains and goods moving around our province? Yeah, and, and, and you're right to be thinking about it, um, you know, but really is to realize that the goods will move and it's not going to be, uh, you know, weeks and weeks uh, not at all. Uh, the goods will move. The, the, the roads are, are being worked on very diligently. Uh, for the majority of communities, uh, we've got alternates. It's going to be a little late, but uh, the goods will come. All right, Dave, thank you so much for your time this morning. Anytime at all. Thanks for having me. This is Mornings with Simi. Well, if anything, the last couple of days have highlighted to us how important our highways are in this province for getting goods around, for getting people moving around our province. And so many of those are closed right now because of landslides, because of flooding. Let's find out what the timeline is going to be like to getting things open again. Joining us now is Rob Fleming, BC's Transportation and Infrastructure Minister. Thank you for making the time for us today. Thank you for having me, Simi. Uh, let's start with the situation on the Coquihalla. What What is the latest on that? 
Well, the latest is the update we provided yesterday, really, that we've had a chance to fly over it with helicopters, uh, get some people on the ground to do inspections, and about five sections or pieces of the infrastructure are are, are broken and unusable. So uh, it's going to be a, a large job to fix um, the number five. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, what we're concentrating on right now to have connection between the lower mainland and the interior of the province is is getting the number three open. So that is um, around the Happy Valley area, clearing debris, restoring the connectivity of the road. And then, of course, uh, uh, the water is draining around Princeton and, and uh, have connection there. What about Highway 7? Yeah, number seven opened west of Agassiz. Uh, last night, but I do want to stress to listeners that it was open to emergency vehicle access only, and we don't want people using that road right now. Uh, we we need to get things like pumps to Abbotsford and equipment um, in terms of Highway 7 East from Agassiz to Hope. Uh, we are looking to establish that link uh, by later today, and we will, of course, update you and others in the media about our progress there, and that will help. Uh, get some people who've been uh, in, stranded in hope out. But the first priority is is to have emergency supplies and essential uh, items and uh, to, to triage and, and uh, uh, get the support we can, uh, get more support to, to hope. Are we, given that there are so many people in hope that are waiting to get out of there, are we developing a plan? Is it just going to be a free-for-all? Like, how do we get people moving, but no, in an orderly gotta, fashion? Yeah, we're, we're having to use air support right now. Uh, we want to get road support reestablished. That's going to be a big advantage. And uh, and uh, this is being planned by multiple agencies, working with local government, fire departments, public works departments, uh, Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure, our road maintenance contractors. It is all hands on deck, uh, just as it was last night to protect the Barrowtown pump station in Abbotsford, where you know police and fire and public works officials and Emergency Management BC were part of the effort to uh, preserve that important piece of infrastructure uh, to continue pumping water and uh, and preserve uh, the Sumas Prairie neighbourhood. There certainly has been a lot of people stepping up, which has been amazing to see. So for the people then, Minister, who have been writing and saying, how, what about my family members? How are they going to get out of hope? What is the plan? Yeah, we're going to provide updates about uh, what kind of uh, transportation uh, options are going to be available as they become available. So there will be a steady flow of information. Um, we, we need to establish that connection, prioritize the movement of certain supplies and vehicles, and uh, and and we will be updating um, you and other members of the media, Simi, today on, on what progress looks like. And what about, what do you say to the criticism that not enough was done to kind of alert people to the problems out there with highway closures like that? Could more have been done even on Sunday to tell people to, you know what, stay off the roads? Well, there were uh, sustained uh, alerts about uh, the weather event, um, but I think you heard very clearly from Environment Canada and other meteorologists that this was not as predicted. This was the largest single precipitation event the province of BC has ever seen. Um, and it came down fast and furious and overwhelmed our infrastructure. Uh, this is the largest flood we've ever had. We've never had 20 simultaneous slides, for example, in areas that have never seen slide activity before. So, um, no, I, I, I think uh, this was an extreme weather event. Uh, and people can point to patterns around the world of these becoming more more regularized, uh, and, and that certainly seems to be the case, but this was an extreme 
type of weather event, the likes of which BC's never seen. Okay, so what can we learn from this then? How are we going to learn from this moving forward? I think some of the things that we've learned were, were lessons we've been talking about and implementing over the last couple of decades, and I speak specifically about armoring and strengthening infrastructure and uh, installing new culverts and preparing for events like this. Uh, but we have a road network of thousands and thousands of kilometers. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's what we're going to have to do looking forward, uh, moving forward is, 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 and obviously we do when we build new stretches of road, we build it to a higher, stronger standard. But, uh, you know, the Coquihalla is a, is a strong highway built in the 1980s and uh, uh, under a, a, an extreme weather event like this, um, sections of it came, came loose and we're going to have to uh, work with engineers after we get the geotechnical information done on uh, how we're going to fix that and, and what it's going to look like. Is that a high priority then, is to get that back up and running too? It is. The highest priority right now, of course, is to establish connection to Hope through through the through the number seven and then reopening uh, the number three so we're connected to the interior. And I would say the other priority we're working with our federal colleagues on is, is on the rail situation. So CPCN, Transport Canada, uh, they've been mobilizing uh, uh, crews uh, to repair uh, washed out areas of track. I don't have an update uh, uh, for you this morning, but uh, that's obviously something that's very important. Now, is it all hands on deck, Minister? Like, are you bringing in contractors from all over the place to work on, on these different areas? Absolutely. We have equipment that we actually pulled off of construction projects. Um, you know, when it, I guess it's fortunate that we had we have five uh, projects on Highway 1. We've got, we've got crews coming from everywhere. Uh, helping out. You saw the efforts last night in Abbotsford. I mean, retired firefighters, military personnel. Um, there are a lot of people with skills to help in an emergency situation like this that are being uh, thrown into the effort. And we're going to continue to do that. But uh, yeah, in terms of um, people who have companies and equipment, uh, we are we are hiring and, and, uh, and utilizing uh, everything that is available to get debris clear. Here on the uh, Vancouver Island, where I am, we reopened uh, Highway 1, the Malahat section, uh, yesterday morning, uh, but we've had to close it at night because we have to clear debris constantly. So we've got, you know, a basic alternating lane reopened, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do, and I suspect it'll look like that in other highways. We've lost the number three, for example. Uh, we'll get it open. We'll get uh, uh, trucks uh, and goods moving again, um, but we won't be encouraging anyone to be making social visits um, or even business trips or anything like that until we get that highway uh, to a higher standard. Okay, so then very quickly, just to recap, for the people mm. who are trapped in hope, what can they expect in the next couple of days in order to get home? That's the, the area that I'm going to have to keep you apprised of. Emergency Management BC will probably be the lead on that, not, not, not our ministry. We're working uh, to get uh, you know, punch access back through the road uh, there. Uh, other agencies are working on the supply of, of uh, food, and uh, uh, but the information will be coordinated by government about what timelines look like. I just don't have it for you this morning. Okay, but Highway 7, though, is that looking like the best option right now? That's what we're focused on, yeah. Uh, that's what we're hoping by the, uh, the end of today that we might have connection for, but it will be for emergency vehicles only. So I just want to stress we don't want any, anyone out there, any of your listeners who, who may have loved ones, to think that they should go pick up their... Uh, their family member or, or, or whomever, uh, when that road is reconnected, we want emergency vehicles only using it. So we will provide regular instruction uh, uh, through you and appreciate all the work that uh, CKNW is doing to uh, advise your listeners of um, what needs to be done and uh, and what people uh, should should avoid doing. Well, Minister Fleming, thank you for your time. 
Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you, Rob Fleming, BC's Transportation and Infrastructure Minister. So there you go. You're waiting for more information. It is coming. They are devising a plan and the protocol for getting people out of hope and back home again. It will be done. That's what I was wondering. In an orderly fashion, they said those plans are coming from Emergency Management BC, and we will, of course, keep you posted.